0: This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Now, if you go over to Audible.com and you sign up to their gold membership plan and download your free book, you can keep that book even if you cancel your plan during the free month. That's at Audible.com. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for you know, joining me here today. I'm hoping that you're you know, kicking back and you're relaxing. You've settled into your comfy place, wherever that is. Whether it's bed, whether it's your couch, whether you're in the backseat of a car and driving along... Or a big hi to those people that are traveling in the air right now. Just wanting a bit of a bit of me time. I can completely understand. We give ourselves to everyone else, right? Let's take a little moment for ourselves to just relax. And if you're laying in bed or in the car or wherever, and you want to go to sleep, well. Just know that you're going to be in this wonderful place for hours and hours. You know that moment where the alarm goes off in the morning and you wake up and you just want that five extra minutes, the magic five minutes as I call it. Well imagine this, you've got that right now, except it's going to be for hours. Wonderful, wonderful sleep. I was reading today some pretty cool, uh, you know, little news articles and stuff. And I tried this in the last episode, and I think it's pretty cool. that I just want to let you know some awesome stuff that is happening around the world. I love it. I get a nice little buzz when I. You know, hear a little great story So I just chose a couple and, and if it's okay, I'm just gonna, you know Share them with you right now Before we get to our, our story The first one really strikes home It's probably a little outdated now By the time you, you listen to this But I'm pretty sure you could, you know, Google it But on Steve Irwin's, you know, 57th birthday Google paid tribute to him um, In their little, you know, Google Doodle and yeah, the Google Doodle slideshow was featuring illustrations of Irwin, you know, searching for crocodiles, feeding the animals while working at the Australian Zoo in the seventies. Irwin's parents they opened the reptile park, and Steve Irwin would have eventually managed as he got older. The park would become the Australian Zoo, which where Steve Irwin met his wife Terry. The illustrations also shows Steve with Terry and their kids Bindi and Robin. Irwin's wife and kids host their own television show on the Animal Planet called Crikey, It's the Irwins. Growing up, Steve Irwin was, was a legend. An absolute. Absolute legend. And and even us, you know, to us Australians, we would see him on, you know, US television, you know, English television, etc. And even though he was almost you know, a parody of, of what that classic Australian person should be. But he's not. He was absolutely and utterly genuine. And there's a really good interview out there where he was he was talking, you know, about what it means for conservation and, and his children and, and talking about a dream come true for his children that would follow in his footsteps. And he started to, you know, get a little misty. The guy just had his his heart on his sleeve and he was one of the most genuine people. And growing up in the country, I know lots of people that are exactly like that. And they're treasures. They're absolute treasures.
1: If you can surround yourself with people that are just genuine, then they're they're absolute treasures. So it would have been Steve Irwin's 57th birthday
0: and the good news is his children um are carrying
1: his legacy forward absolutely even robert irwin yeah he's his
0: photography in the wildlife is 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 outstanding and of course the australian zoo is still going on and if you ever came to australia and went there then it's thriving absolutely absolutely
1: thriving it's a great place so that's one. I love these stories. This one. After the you know the deadly Californian,
0: you know, wildfires or the campfires, as they called it, which always sounds a little, you know, small of course, but that's of course how it started. After the deadliest wildfires in California's history last year, one family that fled had received a little joy. The family was reunited with its dog, Kingston who disappeared shortly after the campfire started. The Balejos family apologies if I didn't pronounce that correctly, told Sacramento's KXTV that Kingston and Aquatar jumped out of the truck as they were evacuating the wildfire area in Paradise, California. When I found out it just brought me to tears, Gabrielle said. Kingston's owner told the station, I'm so proud of him, I can't believe it, he's a true survivor. You know those movies, the Disney movies, etc, where they have, I think it was one called Milo and Otis, where
1: you know the dogs and cats and stuff go on an adventure. its It's remarkable to think that
0: the dog out there can survive on its own, do what it needs to do, and then eventually find itself back home. I don't know about you but sometimes I walk out in the car park and I don't know where my car is. Not that often, that it's alarming, but the idea that you could, you know, go kilometres and kilometres and kilometres
1: or miles and the dog to find its way home. Oh my that's that's remarkable. You can just imagine the dog just covering the owner in slobber
0: as it goes up and just goes wild the The thought of that just brings absolute joy. It really, really does.
1: There's something about
0: a dog, isn't there? I think Pixar, you know, put it best when they say, "I've just met you and I love you." That's a dog. That's an absolute dog. I've got, I've got, you know, friends that have they have dogs. There's one called Ruka that's absolutely massive. She thinks she's a small dog. She's one of those spotted dogs. I wish I knew the. The type of dog, but it's one of those spotted dogs, and it will run up and just jump all over you if you're sitting on a chair. It will climb up. It thinks it's a little lap dog, but it's absolutely and utterly massive. And it does that really cool thing where it'll put, you know, its its head under your arm and lift it up and just go, hey, hey, just just let you know, I think you're awesome. Have some of those pats?
1: And I notice you're eating those biscuits, so maybe a couple could come my way too. Just, just putting that out there. I tried these uh, these new Vegemite uh, snacks. These bagel crisps. I've been
0: trying to convince people around the world that Vegemite is one of the greatest tastes on the planet. Not much success outside of Australia. I'll... I'll I'll admit that. I, I, about a month or two ago, I was at the Marrakesh Film Festival and I was having dinner with Guillermo del Toro. When I say me, it wasn't just me. It was a massive table of people. You know how many times I've told this story and I just want to leave that bit out and go, oh yeah, I was just having dinner with Guillermo del Toro. We were eating food at the same table.
1: And the subject, you know, for some reason got to mind. And, not language warning, but he did say that it tasted like, well, I'm trying to find a way to say it politely, but let's just say he was very, very vocal in saying
0: that it tastes horrible. And I tried to defend this, this deliciousness anyway. So he was adamant, and I said, next time you're down in Australia, I will pre- you know, prepare it properly because often you're just meant to put it on very sparingly. Very sparingly. Not like jam, not like peanut butter. The flavor is intense. You've got to be really, really sparing with it as you put it on. Anyway, there were these bagel crisps that were released. Oh, my God, they were fantastic. I gave some
1: to Ruka because, you know, he gave me that look. She, sorry. She gave me that look. And yeah, she loved it. It was fantastic. And the third one, the third story. ACDC, you know the band, right?
0: ACDC, legend for basically producing album after album of good old rock and roll. And the albums were pretty much the same every single time. Their live acts are legendary. ACDC Angus Young donates money to Canadian Skaters Charity. After hearing about Postman and ACDC fan Stephen McNeil's Marathon Skating Challenge, Angus Young donated thousands to his charity. Last month it was revealed that Canadian Postman and ACDC fan Steve McNeil was planning a Marathon Skating Challenge to raise money for charity. McNeil had been raising cash for the Montreal Alzheimer's charity by skating 19 hours and 26 minutes in cities across Canada to pay tribute to his mother, Eunice, who was born in 1926 but died in 2013, suffering from Alzheimer's for 20 years. He also skates in memory of ACDC guitarist Malcolm Young, who passed away in 2017 after being diagnosed with dementia. McNeil listens to ACDC non-stop while he does so, and so on, and are uh, reporting that after finding out about the story, ACDC's icon Angus Young donated $19,260 to McNeil and asked that he uh, the cash be distributed to a music program across Canada. McNeil tells the website, it's funny how things work around the world. Oh, that is so true, by the way. But rock and roll is such a powerful tool. This is ACDC. This could open up so many doors. And for while he listens to the band during the grueling sessions, McNeil explains, it's kind of touching an emotional lottery. You've got to understand that this is where, what's been my driving force. When I go out in these conditions, that's all I listen to because it's my tribute to Angus and the boys because I know... They're a big part of their family.
1: Sorry, I know they've lost a big part of their family. Firstly, I love ACDC.
0: And as a guitarist, learning those songs was just a must. You could not, you know, you could not call yourself a guitarist if you didn't know any, you know, ACDC at all. So yeah, this is a really cool story. And I just wanted to, to pass it on. One, because, dude, that's that's an effort to skate for that long. And to listen to ACDC for that entire time, I imagine after a while you just start to break down the
1: songs, really get into it, because you'll be hearing it over and over and over again. It is a side note. If you're into, you know, ACDC...
0: There's another band, actually, in Australia that I don't know why they never broke, but if you ever want to pass yourself off, like, or blow
1: the mind of any, you know, Australian, here's a tip. Tell them you like the band Cold Chisel. I think in every country
0: there's a band that, in that country itself, is legendary but never really made it outside, right? Never made it to the outside world. Cold Chisel is one of those bands,
1: certainly sight of Australia. There's a bunch of songs. There's one called K-San, which was banned at the time because it had questionable content.
0: And there's another one called Bo River Story about a factory worker wanting to get out of town. They've actually got a lot, a lot of diverse songs. And I love them. I think they're fantastic. Check them out on Spotify. Do the greatest
1: hits thing. And, yeah, if you ever want to just blow the mind, you know, you're just sitting around at that party and
0: there's an Aussie there and they're feeling a little bit homesick, just just
1: put on a bit of Bow River or Khe They'll probably start crying. Yeah, they'll most definitely start crying. And then sing along, etc.
0: I've actually wanted to, and I'll, I'll probably try and check this out, is to create a Spotify you know, playlist. Make it open and ask everyone that listens to this podcast, because it's actually being listened to in really cool places around the world. So, hi. I've actually got a couple of listeners in Japan. So, hi. I'd love to know the song that, or the band that's really been, you know, big for a long period of time, but never really made it to the outside world.
1: That would be cool. So, that's some awesome news I just wanted to pass on. But let's get to tonight's story The Thinking Hill. Come with me tonight on a little adventure.
0: And don't worry, it's not gonna take any effort because you're still sitting there in your lovely, in you know, a comfy place. But I want to walk you through a really cool and relaxing journey that that I go on every now and then when I want to feel relaxed. I want to feel a little bit of bit of peace. I don't know about you, but I just love being under a big open sky. There's something about the vastness that I find you know relaxing. I guess therapeutic, but really, really relaxing. And so I thought I'd just walk you through one of the many trips that I've done.
1: What I see, what I hear, and and you know and what I feel at the time. Now this hill is it's not a big
0: hill. It's This is not an Everest-style expedition. This is not uh, any expedition that requires any climbing equipment at all,
1: any base camping, anything like that. It's a bump in, to be honest, you know, in, in the landscape.
0: But it's still a hill. It's It's still large enough. It still takes about 40 minutes to walk up, I guess. So, you know, it's a hill. But it has such lovely
1: rolling grass on top that i just love to go there in the afternoon it all starts with just you know taking the car driving down parking
0: you know the car at the base there's a set of swings and playgrounds and that round and round thing that, that kids love so well
1: on ten bark and there's a path to the right hand side so I walk out of that and I just step along
0: and then I can see, you know, the slow rise of the hill ahead of me.
1: Just grit my feet a little bit on the on the gravel and I set off. Walking along, I can see the trees to the left and the right. It's, it's, it's,
0: you know, classic gum trees and the sun is already, you know, setting in the west. I'm timing this perfectly because when I get to the top the sun will have
1: just set and you can see, you know, the world around you. So walk along. The first thing that happens is the trees
0: part and there's massive sort of grassy areas that open up from left to right. You can see the hill rise ahead of you and it does a slight sort of meandering along the path and there's a
1: couple of solitary trees but but pretty much it's just grass we're in the northern part of of the city so it's it's really at the edge where you know
0: suburbia meets the country so you're still seeing a lot of that rolling
1: rolling countryside you know ahead of yourself and a walk on I walk under these you know, large scale power lines
0: that for some reason I've always thought Well, maybe I try to make the positive on everything. One, power's essential, so how else are they gonna you know get it into the city? But two, they kinda look like massive sculptures of symmetry. You stand under those and you can sort of see them, you know, go in a direct straight line for miles. And there's a beauty there. An industrial kind of beauty. I think the term is a brutalist. Not quite brutalist, but certainly an industrial-based beauty. And I love to just stand under it because sometimes it's nice to feel really small amongst
1: something that's massive. I don't know why, but it just... I look at this, I guess, and I see the simple representation of human achievement it's
0: pretty cool when you think about it. There's no way I could do that, but someone did.
1: And it's been there for days, even during strong winds. And when it's getting wet as well. So I walk on, and soon the you know, the
0: power lines, the big, large power lines are behind me. And the track takes a turn. There's a left side and there's a right side, and I, I enjoy the right side because I walk down and and the vastness of those grasslands is, it sort of closes in, and you find
1: yourself in a little forest. Now, if you're lucky, and now I say this out loud every single time it's happened this way, mm. usually during the you know the summer and spring times, this is where the kangaroos feed.
0: And as much as I would like to maintain that Australia is not just a
1: continent where kangaroos just bounce everywhere, this is a place where kangaroos will bounce everywhere. There's big ones, small ones, little joey ones that look
0: at you with that curiosity of a child, and they're feeding on the grass, and if they could understand you, I'm pretty sure that if you said good morning, or
1: good evening, then they could hear that. Of course, they can't understand you. But they raise their heads, and they look, and then they go
0: back to their you know, eating and just grazing along. But it's just really cool to walk along amongst these kangaroos, just left and right. But after a while, I walk on, and
1: you know, they're behind as well, leaving them to do their thing, get their... You know, nightly dinner in before the night kicks in. It takes a bit of a rise now. It's a, you know, the reason
0: why it's a hill is because, well, you have to walk up. But sure enough, it rises. But you're still among some trees. Tall gum trees. Bushy little eucalypt trees and wattle, which is the uh, official flower of Australia. Every now and then you'll come across, you know, some other walkers that are walking to and from. And there's always this really nice sort of high, you know, exchange of pleasantries as you walk past.
1: It's like you're part of some sort of little club, the hill club. But as you climb higher and higher, eventually the, the trees aren't there. And once again,
0: it opens up and i love this i really really do the trees you know part behind you and then there's just the grasslands and the view opens itself
1: up to you and it is majestic i keep walking but one of the really wonderful visual splendors i love
0: that word splendor that presents itself is that when the sun is setting, you can see the reflection of the the amber light in you know, off the grass. And now that you're, you know, fairway up the hill, you can see a lot of grass as it slopes down one of the sides. So much so, if there's a slight wind, you can see the pattern, you know, inside of the grass as it you know, rolls along the pattern of the wind.
1: I love that pattern, it's just you know, the random shapes of nature, and you can see it just working its way along. I could watch that for hours. I turn my head to the left and I can see the city skyline of Melbourne, and because the sun
0: is starting to dip down now, well the lights are on, so you've got that you know, also lovely contrast of the sun not quite setting, but buildings and the skyscrapers have their lights on so they're you know in the distance. And again I don't know why, but it always feels like some sort of science fiction experience that I'm in. On one side we have this hill that is old as time and then I can see the future there in the distance. I don't know why it's science fiction, it's just a bunch of buildings, but you know what I mean? You know when you're
1: you're in a spot and you're like, this is this is This is pretty cool. I guess it's the movie District 9,
0: whenever, you know, after watching that, if I ever see any sort of industrialization or any sort of technology in the distance, that sort of a slight haze because of, you know, the distance itself, just
1: reminds me of that. Again, it's not like a ship floating in the sky. It's just a bunch of buildings. And it's a nice feeling. And I'm going to go with it. But I keep walking because I want to get to the top of the hill. So walk on
0: up. I'm feeling the, you know, the breath inside my lungs. It's clean, clean air. One of the things I love about the north of the city is the air that, that arrives to you has gone through all the grasslands of you know, southern New South Wales and Victoria.
1: So you'll, you'll smell the sweetness of the air you know, the hint of grass, of wheat, of flowers. And it's a beautiful thing. And just to breathe that in into your lungs, you know it's doing you good.
0: I'm exercising as well, so that's great. But the smell itself is something just to, you know, to take
1: in. There's something about beautifully clean, fresh air isn't there? There's something just wonderful about it. If you want you know, the cleanest air in Australia, then there is a place that you need to go to. Tasmania. Next time you're in Google Maps or if you have a globe nearby, just have a look at Tasmania
0: and, and look at it and then note... Left and right, just try and count the spaces between how far it is until Tasmania, when you go around sort of at a, you know, latitude level, you know, flat around the
1: world, how far it is until it touches another bit of land. You'll note that it's, one, South America, two, South
0: Africa, so what that means is, of course, as the wind whirls its way along, there's no land for it to touch on. There's no other bits of dirt and dust and stuff like that to be kicked up. Now, Australia, don't get me wrong, it's clean. But during summer, of course, well, there's a lot of dirt and the dust you know, gets kicked up. But Tasmania is, is, is green. It's very green. It's, it's kind of chilly in, in the winter and, and summer. But it's green, so there is no
1: dust to kick up. And left and right, all there is, is the ocean. That's it.
0: So, even me as an Australian who's used to very clean air, when I go down to Tasmania and I step off, even in the city inside of Hobart,
1: I'll breathe that in and go, Oh my, this is clean. But then if you
0: head out of Hobart into the country areas of Tasmania,
1: it's even cleaner. So that's my travel little side story. If you want clean air, arguably one of the cleanest on the planet, then book a trip
0: to Tasmania. Sure, they've got also the best food if you're a seafood person. It's just divine because the oceans around there are pristine as well. and it's a cool old-worldly kind of place because it was one of the first ever spots, you know, that were
1: colonised by the English into Australia. But, yeah, every now and then I like a bit of solitude, a good open fire, things like that. And good, clean air. I know it sounds a little silly, but trust me. Trust me. It's, it's good to behold.
0: Anyway, we're walking up a hill. We're near the top now, so,
1: you know, well done. You've done really well. And you've kept up, which is which is fantastic. And we're at the top now. And you can see the 360-degree view.
0: To the south, there's the city skylines, and then if you... Move slowly towards the west you can see the glow as the sun has just gone below the horizon, so there's still that
1: orange glow. Some clouds are in you know, a glowing orange just smattered through the skyline. You can see the little white bulbs of street lights as
0: they come on, and the the scurrying of little cars in the long distance. And that's that's all to the south, which is the beginning of, you know, the city that is Melbourne. You look further westward and starting to become sort of northwest. Well, that's still farming land. So you can see the little boxed areas of of paddocks. And some varied different colours. Some are yellow because of this
1: planted canola, some are brown because they've got the wheat and if you look
0: further north then you can start to see the expanse of of the northern countryside and you can see the slight inclining hills as you look towards King Lake and the beginning of, of the Great Dividing Range it's not quite the beginning. I think it begins down near South Australia. But there's a bit of a gap in Victoria where the Great Dividing Rain sort of dips down and then starts up again. And then we get what's called the, you know, the Highlands of Australia. It's nowhere near the Highlands of Scotland, by the way. But they're still kind of high and we still do get snow. It's about three and a half hours' drive
1: from Melbourne. Up continuously. We do have ski fields. They're pretty nice too. But
0: certainly not in any of the cities. And so we can see that and
1: the tall, tall gum trees. And as the forests. And then if you turn a little more to the east, there's a new sort of suburb that's down there and you can sort of see this, the streets and the lights. It's a ways away though. But what I love to do is just you know stand there there's a fence which you can just lean up against and just watch the vastness of the world and just just think If you want to you can just go to the area where the the hill starts to, you know, go down a bit and just sit down and just Breathe in the silence, which is a strange term. Certainly breathe in the country, you know, wheat and flour, filled air. Drink in the silence. That's more poetic. And just look around you. Life is happening amidst the turning of the sun,
0: which has happened for more. millennia, millions and billions of years that has happened time and time again and sure as the sun's setting it'll it'll rise again tomorrow
1: and you can just sit there and think it's amazing where the the thoughts will just drift to memories things gone by plans of things that you want to do conversations. What I love, though, is I love to just sit there and know that I am part of something that is massive. I love that. I really do. And I know that I am of this earth, and I'm sorry, this is going to sound really sort of I guess borderline hippie-ish. But yeah, we're all part of this earth. We're on this rock. We are descendants of people that have been here for millions of years. And as thoughts often do, it'll just stray back to, you know,
0: my immediate ancestors. And you don't have to go far back. 50, 60, 70 years. Go back a couple of hundred years and learn how hard their lives were. And that's not for some sort of, you know, Schadenfreude syndrome. But for the simple reason is you can look at their lives and the hardships that they endured and yet they prospered. They were able to prosper. They were able to live lives and love and laugh and
1: Even amidst all that hardship, they were able to do that. And then they passed on their DNA to you. You are a fruit salad of their DNA,
0: their stuff. And you and the decisions, the environment that you've made. But you can at least take some solace.
1: In knowing that you're made of that stuff, and if they were able to endure and prosper, well, then I can guarantee that you can as well. Go check it out. Go,
0: go, you know, talk to your grandparents, research some of your, you know, your your past
1: history, and see how bad they had it, and yet they prospered. And yeah, you will too. And often my thoughts while sitting on this hill will just drift to things like that. And I don't know, it makes me feel kind of a little more awesome. And the other one that I love to do, it's a little mind trick. As I tell myself, is I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen tomorrow, but chances are it's going to be awesome. Statistically, it will be awesome. And if not, well then do something that makes you feel happy. It's strange,
0: right, sitting on this hill and thinking things like that, but when I look at the grass and how
1: it moves in in the, the wind and the breeze, the thoughts just drift. It's like, a, I guess, a hypnosis. And so I find myself just thinking about things like this. Bizarre, right? But it's the way it is. But after a while the sun's you know it lowers down and we have ourselves about a half an hour walk back. So we'd better get
0: moving. At this point in time I am becoming a little hungry, a little peckish, so
1: we have ourselves a half an hour walk ahead of us, so we better start walking down from where we came. Down near the major slope in the grassy areas. Through the
0: the big gum trees that are side by side. Past there's this big massive boulder that's there for some reason. One of those really rounded ones.
1: Past the kangaroos that are looking at you going, Oh, you're back. Okay. So how was it? Was it, was it nice? Through the large sculptures, as I call it, the power line sculptures. And then alongside the playground area. Into the car. Turn the keys on. Play a little Bow River Cold Chisel. And then I drive on home the smile on my face, clean air in my lungs, and feeling that feeling that you get for when you get to walk up and enjoy the sitting hill. I hope you enjoy this experience. I hope you're already asleep and you can't even hear these words. And if so, I hope you have a great day tomorrow and an even better sleep. So until next time, good night, sweet dreams, take care, bye-bye.